We believe in functional mental wellness, a holistic approach to mental health. We know that there's hope for those of us who have experienced trauma, even profound trauma, and that's why we created the Universe Is Your Therapist podcast. We believe whether you call it God, the universe, source, unity, or love, that there is something much greater than us that conspires for our good. We envision a world of healing and connection, and we teach you simple but powerful practices that integrate your mind, body, and spirit so that you can come home to your highest self and your truest identity. You are not broken, you are loved, and you can heal. My name is Amy Hoyt, and together with my sister, Lena, we will take you on a journey of healing and self-discovery. Hi, welcome back to another episode. This is a bonus episode that we weren't planning on recording, but we felt so moved by our conversations and honestly by our higher power to do this episode. And so today's episode is how to deal with people who have different opinions about the vaccine or medical freedom than you. And we want to start out with saying, first of all, we're so honored that you're here and even attending to what we have to say. We feel so incredibly blessed that we get to do this in our lives. Second of all, we want you to know that this conversation can activate your nervous system in ways that we haven't seen publicly in a lot of instances, except through politics, perhaps. And we want to be aware of that and attend to that so that we can try and calm our nervous system as we listen and figure out how to deal with people we truly love, we're truly connected with, who may not view medical decisions, the COVID vaccine, or even the severity of the pandemic through our particular lens. This is one of the biggest issues in the work we do is connection with others. And we want to serve you by helping you navigate what we see as one of the biggest issues of divisiveness right now in the world. So let's dive in. Lena? I also am so grateful for the time that you take to participate with us in this. And as Amy was talking, I was going to my peaceful place and reaching out to source and asking that all that we say will be beneficial and will be illustrative of the mission of this podcast, which is to find peace and joy in our understanding of ourselves and the world and our higher power. We are so invested in helping people find ways to live a peaceful, joyful, loving life. And the issue of the pandemic and the vaccines and medical freedom has become so divisive and so contentious that it is creating ruptures and relationships and ruptures in families that are not healthy for us or for the benefit of our world or for the benefit of our children and our loved ones. And to be able to learn some skills in having discourse, in having the understanding that we are each given the freedom to make a choice, and that we don't need to exile people who disagree with us. And we do not need to make this an issue of whether or not we remain connected to people. 
let's talk about how we engage with someone we fundamentally disagree with. And I think one of the best examples might be our relationship around this very topic. And I am aware that this puts me in a vulnerable position to speak so publicly about this, but I feel compelled to show my neck, if you will, and open myself up and let you know that while I have had the first vaccine, I have been extremely reticent and extremely cautious and very distrustful in the motives of some of what I see as people of power and power brokers in the world. And as I have developed my opinions and ideas, it was very apparent that they were radically different than my family's. And we've had to navigate some real differences. And so I want to open the discussion up to talk about how we have remained close despite our very different ideas about not only the percentage of danger of the pandemic, but also the best course forward. I would say we probably have pretty different ideas. And yet I don't think we've ever been closer as sisters. And I want to kind of get to the chewy center. Why? Why is our relationship? better than it's ever been. And yet the world is more divided and we are on somewhat different sides of this debate. How are we navigating this? I think the way that we are navigating this is that we are learning how to honor the concept of free will. And that is a very difficult concept to honor. It's it's very rare in our world today in various cultures that people are taught the beauty and joy of free will. As we mentioned in a previous podcast in season two, there's so much fear around people making choices that will be harmful to them. And in this case, there's a lot of fear about people making choices that we perceive will be harmful to us. And in the public discussion, if we don't learn how to combat that fear, we will not be able to maintain relationship. And unfortunately, I believe it's very possible, perhaps even likely, that this issue can destroy us, that it can destroy our sense of community, not only in our families, but in a world sense and in a communal sense, that it can destroy our church families, it can destroy our friendships. And I think that that would be the very worst possible outcome, that we would become so rigid in our stance about what other people should do, that we lose our relationships because of our rigidity. And I want to point out that we have a lot of discussions on our podcast about not making decisions from fear. And we are not fear mongering that this is going to destroy our society. Well, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I know you're not a fear monger. I think what we're pointing to is a direction that we're already seeing, where we're seeing some families that are pretty radically divided because of this issue, where they are unable to come together in any connection because of this issue. And so while we may disagree with loved ones about anything, about the pandemic or anything else, what we want to help you do is move to a place where you can still connect with other people 
that you love and disagree with how they are perceiving or doing the global pandemic. And thank you for pointing out that I'm not a fear monger. And my intention is not to incite fear. My intention is to home in on the seriousness of this. And if the fabric of our country and our world is based on relationship and we don't figure out how to navigate differences of opinion and behavior, we will cause great harm to ourselves and to those who come after us. And that is not something I'm willing to participate in. And you and I do have different opinions on this. And what I have found very helpful is to understand that the only thing I can control is how I behave and what decisions I make. And so I did receive the vaccine in February and March of this year. And you were very concerned about this and have been over the last year or so. But you have never placed our relationship in danger because you and I have a difference of opinion. And one of the challenges is that that, Amy, you are so profoundly gifted in research and you have so much information at your fingertips. And in some cases, not having as much information as you do has benefited me, not because I embrace ignorance, but because it has allowed me to move forward with less fear. And sometimes when we have more information, it's harder to do that. Absolutely. I absolutely suffer from decision paralysis, as you know, because I research the heck out of everything. I like to research both sides. And then I feel so conflicted oftentimes because I have so much information from both sides of the issue. And I do that on purpose because I want to be well-rounded in what I'm consuming. And so if I, I don't actually consume a lot of news anymore, I stopped a few months ago, well, probably about a year ago, where I have some alerts from Google News. If there's a topic that I need to know about, I have an alert that will come through. But just mindlessly scrolling headlines in the news was not mentally beneficial for me. And so when I do consume the news, I consume a multitude of channels from all different perspectives because I want to be very, very informed and I want to see the issue from lots of different perspectives. Now, having said that, I do want to point out that when you did tell me that you were going to get vaccinated, I think one of the most brilliant things you did is you said to me, I know you have a lot of feelings about this and I just want to let you know I got the vaccine. And what that did for me is it was very validating because I knew that you knew my concerns because I hadn't, I hope I hadn't beaten you over the head with it. I had tried to talk to a couple of the family members a few times, but it is a very divisive topic and it's not one that I'm willing to ditch my family relationships for. And so I have since backed off being the imparter of information to my family. That's not the role I want to embody. I want to embody a connected member of the family. And so that's what I'm working on. But when you validated me by saying, I know you have a lot of feelings about this, it helped my nervous system calm down because I, you know, this is all subconscious, of course, but I was automatically able to say, oh, she already knows how I feel. I don't need to repeat myself. I don't need to say anything. She's made her decision. My job now is to be supportive of her decision. And I don't mean supportive as in, Lena, I completely 100% agree with you. I think you did the best possible thing for your life. No, supportive meaning, thank you for telling me. I appreciate that you trusted me with that information, knowing my feelings. 
Thank you for being able to tease that apart the way you just did. One thing that occurred to me is that I teach a lot of clients about this concept that I call the art of the preface. And the art of the preface, in my mind, is preparing somebody for what they're about to hear, not because I'm being manipulative, but because I want to have a productive exchange with that person. And if I know that their nervous system is going to be highly activated by something I'm going to bring up, and I can say to that person, I'm a little nervous about talking to you about this, but I do want to talk to you about this because it's important and I don't want to have this cut off from you, then that person has a subconscious calming of the nervous system almost always because they hear that I'm a little nervous. They prepare themselves to be less reactive. And then the communication has a tremendously higher chance of being productive, which does not mean agreement. Recently, you and I were talking about one of the best reasons to share our thoughts and feelings is to remain connected with people and to have them know us. If I'm sharing my thoughts and feelings to convince you or to scare you or to manipulate you, then that is not a good reason to share my thoughts and feelings. And I recognize while you were talking that one way we've navigated this is we don't talk about it all the time. In fact, we hardly ever talk about it. And there's a blessing and a benefit to that. When our lives become so overshadowed by our particular issue, then we have become a slave to the emotions and thoughts that surround that issue. And that is never where I want to be. It's hard enough for me to manage my thinking as it is. And I do not want my thoughts to become the driver of how I engage with people. I love that. What I'm aware of when you are talking is that we are in a situation where worldwide, the conversation is largely driven by fear on both sides, whether or not you're pro or anti, or you feel like there's some nefarious things going on, or it's all benevolent and for our good, a lot of fear is part of this conversation. And fear activates our central nervous system, our autonomic nervous system. And fear induces those chemicals that over time, we're not getting what we need. We're not getting connection. We're not getting or not feeling understood. We are entering into what I would say is communal trauma. And with this communal trauma of the global pandemic, most of us are having a very difficult time acting as our highest selves because we are not able to calm our nervous system. And when we can't, we are not thinking out of our prefrontal cortex, our executive functions. We are thinking out of our limbic brain, our fear center. So every conversation about the virus or the vaccine is a tiger or a bear or a lion about to attack us. And that is a construct. It is not accurate. We must engage in dialogue. That is coming not from fear, but from love. We can still have different opinions. We can still each want different outcomes, but we must have the conversation be engaged from a place of love and our highest self. I'd like to point out, Amy, that when we are in fear, we can't have a conversation from love. And one of the things that you and I have done in the recent months is we've been more cognizant of the other person's spoons, to reference 
a previous podcast and the inner resources. And so sometimes we'll have to say to each other, I don't think I have the ability to stay calm in this conversation. And so the goal isn't that we have to talk every time somebody wants to talk about it. The goal is that if we choose to talk about it, we choose to talk about it from a place of resource and from a place of calm and from a place of connection. And sometimes I can't do that. And so then you and I, and I think the 12 steps has been profoundly helpful with this in that a recognition of I'm in charge of keeping my side of the street clean. I can't manage what anyone else is doing. If I'm operating in a healthy, connective, peaceful way, that's all I can do. And it's my job to speak up when I'm not in a place to do that and to remove myself or to halt the conversation. So what that looks like for us, I'm thinking of a couple of weeks ago where we were both having a conversation, not about COVID, not about vaccines, but we were both pretty activated. And I can't remember if it was you or I who said, let's put a pin in this and let's talk about this another time. I think it was you. Well, I know equally you do this in our relationship and it can be really irritating if you're not the person asking for the time out because you feel like, wait, I have more to say. And yet it's not productive when I'm that activated for me to keep talking because one, I repeat myself. Two, I start acting like a bulldozer instead of a conversation partner. And three, there is no love coming out of me. It is all like, how can I make them see my perspective? And so by calling that time out or putting a pin in it, or Kevin likes to say, let's circle back to this by taking some time not to go ruminate, but to breathe and to remember how important that person is in your life. That is where we want to have that intervention. And as we think about the importance of that person in our life, we want to remember or give grace or the benefit of the doubt to their intentions. If you didn't love me, you wouldn't care what I did, including with the vaccine or without the vaccine. And yet we want to also be careful that we don't excuse our own maladaptive poor behavior by saying, I'm only doing this out of love. I'm only beating you over the head with the stick of the vaccine because I love you. When we are engaged in conversation with other adults, it's really important that we remember our regulation is self-regulation and that we are 100% in charge of it. And that if you say or do something that I find upsetting, my management of that is none of your business. And ultimately we can only control how we manage ourselves. I am loving this conversation. I want to thank you for allowing this on. It was very impromptu. And I just feel that what I'm very aware of is that divided families and divided friendships and divided relationships do not lead us closer to joy, love, or source. And so ultimately, as with everything that I do in my life that has any sort of consequence, I want to encourage our listeners to get quiet, to still their mind, and to really speak and listen to their higher power about this issue. And then you can feel confident when someone has a 
different opinion that you have made the decision with either source, God, love, the universe, with your higher power that has all knowledge that you have made the decision in tandem with the benefit of knowing you have involved something much bigger than you. And then you don't need to defend your decision so much because you can be confident that for you, you have made the right decision. And ultimately, that's all that matters. I'm so glad you pointed that out. That's a really outstanding thing to remember. I'm thinking about how this plays out in so many religious communities. And I think it's important to note that regardless of your religious traditions, there have been no religious leaders or prophets who have used bullying or fear or threats in order to achieve good. True spiritual leaders and prophets do not employ the use of fear. And if that is something that's happening in your family community or your community in which you live or your religious community, I would really encourage all of us to take a second look at that and to ask for the intervention of source, God, love, the universe to enter our hearts and help us to discern what we we are being told and whether it's from fear or love. And if it's from fear, I really want us to be able to take a good look at that and to know that we will never make our wisest, most joyful decisions ever, not ever from a place of fear. And I appreciate you saying that. I do want to push back a little bit as a PhD in religion. There's actually so many historical examples of religious leaders using fear and using religion to enact really, really evil things across the globe and across time. And so I think what I hear you saying is not that it's unprecedented that religious leaders will use fear, but that in your knowing of what a true spiritual leader is, you will know and assess their leadership efficacy and their connection with God or source through the way they speak about things. And when fear is used, it doesn't come from unity and God. It comes from something else. And so I feel like what you're talking about is discernment of how things are spoken about will also help people understand what a you said true religious leader is. And what I think you mean by true is it seems to me you mean truly in touch with a higher power. Absolutely. When I think of a true religious leader, I'm thinking of somebody who is so tied to source, universe, God, higher power, that their behaviors show love and compassion and wisdom instead of fear and anger and contempt. That is our bonus episode about how to navigate conversations about the vaccine and the global pandemic with people who think very differently than you and assess the situation very differently than you. And I also want to point out that we are talking about relationships in real life. Social media relationships where you only know the person on social media and you haven't developed a connection. Now, some people have. Some people have developed very deep connection with other people on social media, and I'm not invalidating that. What I'm saying is seeing some comment that you, you've you actually never interacted with this person before or you've interacted very infrequently and you don't have that caring concern for one another. There is that lack of 
of a long-term committed relationship, whether it's friendship or something else. We are talking today about relationships that you care about, that you are invested in, and that are a priority to keep connections with. My advice would be to refrain from a lot of social media commenting because it does, for me, I will speak for myself, it does take me out of a place of love and puts me more in a place of division and tension. And I am constantly trying to find ways to feel more unified with humanity. One of my favorite sayings from the 12 steps is what you think of me, what you think about me is none of my business. And that is a very, very beautiful, wise concept, but it's very difficult to put into play. And so as we engage with people on social media, it's okay that people think differently than us. That's not something that we need to see as threatening. And people's opinions about us or our comments or our stance does not need to be engaged in because our job is not to convince people that we are right. That argument will always fail. Our job is to stand in our own truth and knowing with the aid of peace and source and to be confident in our decision making so that we do not let other people's opinions disrupt us. Thank you. So just a quick recap. It's okay to take a break from a heated conversation. It's okay to circle back to a hard conversation. It's okay to disagree and to use what Lena calls the art of the preface when you know that the delivery of the news may not be well received. So in her case, she said, I know you have a lot of feelings about this and I was vaccinated. Other situations could be, I want to talk to you about this, but I'm worried that you'll be upset. And again, we're not saying that to control the outcome. If people get upset, that's okay. We are saying it so that they can help calm down their nervous system and hear the conversation instead of automatically becoming defended. It's also okay to not comment on social media. It's okay to mitigate the amount of news that you're digesting. And it's okay to remove yourself from divisive and contentious conversations especially if you're able to do it in a really loving way. It's such a great model for people to see. And so we want to encourage you to just choose one of these little micro steps and put it into practice around this conversation or other conversations that are very difficult in your relationships right now. We love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to go deeper on this subject or any other subjects we've covered in the podcast, we are so excited to be launching our signature membership program at MendingTrauma.com. This is a trauma-informed mental health membership where we combine clinically effective practices, courses, and mentoring while putting you in the driver's seat. We teach you how to heal your trauma with the latest research combining mind, body, and spirit. We want to walk you through a healing journey while also empowering you. If you have felt this episode is helpful, we would absolutely love if you would go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods and give us a review. We'd also love it if you would share it with someone you think it might help. Tag us on social media at mendingtrauma.com or at Amy Hoyt PhD. We would love to reshare. And also, if there's anything we can do to help, we would love to hear from you. Email info at mendingtrauma.com. Give us your suggestions or topics you want to hear about. We would absolutely love to be of more service to you. We're so excited because we have so many good episodes coming up in season two, and we can't wait to go on this journey with you.